Goliath. It hit Goliath and he, he, Goliath fell down and the Philistine army ran away and Israel had won the battle. Well, I don't think I'll ever think about Goliath again without thinking about him wearing chef, cans of Chef Boyardee. <laughs> and maybe that's a good visual to have when we're facing a giant, is to have something so laughable to consider about them. Well, this morning, it's been a long time since I've given a message like live and in front of you, and it's like, oh, give me grace. Uh, so it's a little strange, but I'm excited. To, and I have a personal story I want to share today and weave it together with this amazing Bible story that we're all so familiar with. You know, in this theme of God at work, you know, today is such a familiar story, but we're, we're looking at how God is at work in the midst of our fear. God is at work through our faith. I think that's really the point of this story. Have you faced a Goliath? I I think probably everyone has. I think that we've all faced Goliaths in different forms, in the form of people, in the form of illness, in the form of situations, worries, oppression. Well, I'll share with you that I've been facing a Goliath. My Goliath has been anxiety or fear. And what that's done to me, the anxiety inside of myself, intense anxiety. It's tied to my relationship with horses. You all know that I love horses and they're such a precious part of my life. And I went through a really difficult year. I bought uh, an adorable little pony last fall. And to long story short, he turned out to have a screw loose. And he was not just scary, but outright dangerous. And I knew it in my gut. Even though I hadn't seen it manifested, I knew that this animal was capable of severe injury to his rider or handler. And I anticipated that worry, that that injury every day. I was very careful working with him. I was trying to analyze the situation, make my way through it as best as I could. Day by day, I would drive to the barn and I would crank up the worship music and sing as loud as I could to shake off that anxiety. Because of course, you know, well, me, I just assumed that it was my problem, that I was the problem, my anxiety was just my overreaction. But little by little, day by day, week by week, I realized that this was legit anxiety. This was for a purpose. And of course, you know, I got help with this pony. I eventually sent him to a trainer, and every day she called me, she's like, he's gonna be fine, he's just green, which means he's just inexperienced, doesn't know anything. And at the end of the week, she called me from the hospital and said, Karen, you've got a real problem. So 
What I anticipated every day had been manifested, and unfortunately, she was severely injured. She's, that was October. She's still recovering today. And, you know, she says you know, that's what she, you know, she signs up for as a trainer, but, you know, my heart is broken. Well, God helped me extract myself from that little gray pony situation. And then I met an adorable little red pony in February and bought him. And he's none of that. But the anxiety persists. You know, it's, there's both rational anxiety and irrational anxiety. And I know that both are going on within me. And I have this daily battle of you know, this anxiety stalking me. And it makes sense, because why wouldn't the enemy want to stalk me and attack me right in the place of my delight and joy? You know, the, the voices in my head say, oh, I just, you know, it's just me, I'm the problem, I need to get brave, or I, maybe I should just get out of horses altogether, you know, run. Have you experienced that in reaction to the fears that you have? It's like the two extremes. You blame it on someone else, you blame it on yourself, or you just want to escape the situation. And again, I've just been pressing forward in worship and prayer and sharing for support with trusted friends and taking little victories where I can, little small steps that are ridiculous given my experience in riding, but I have to just be honest about where I am in this anxiety. So to me, the backdrop of that situation and looking afresh at this story is, you know, it just really penetrates and gives me a message of hope. And I share it because, not to tell my stuff, but you've got your stuff too. You've got your Goliaths. You've got your anxieties and fears or doubts or whatever you're facing. And I just want to maybe pray some encouragement into that. So let's look at with the end in mind about David and Goliath. Goliath is an illusion. You know, it's, it's all a lie. It, that doesn't mean that it's not powerful. Here's this very scary guy. He's big. He's wearing, what, 60 cans of Chef Boyardee on his, just on his vest. You know, like, I couldn't do that. I could carry maybe 10 cans. But it, it looks like he's powerful. And, and because of the anxiety within us, there is power going on from the enemy, but it's a lie. Our fear is real, but it isn't the truth. David brings down Goliath with a single stone, just a simple act of faith, and we're designed to do the same. As the David and Goliath story begins, uh, verse 2 was, really struck me that the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with a valley between them. We stand on a hill 
and we face our fears that are on the distant hill. And there is a valley we need to go down into to get to them, to conquer them. Stepping into the valley is the only path to take new territory. Going forward, not going backwards. Like my escape fantasy where I want to get out of the anxiety. With God, we won't be lost in the valley. You know, we think we're going to be lost in the valley. That's why we don't want to go down in it. But we're not going to be lost with God within us. God at work within us. And we don't go into that valley recklessly. We're prepared. That is the spiritual work we are doing every day. We need to understand ourselves and our enemy when we're facing such situations. So let's understand the enemy, Goliath. He is the picture of worldly power. He's like nine-something. He's almost 10 feet tall, a very strong guy. He's everything the world thinks is powerful. You know, it's that rational, irrational thing that he rationally, we look at it, we think this situation is powerful. But if we break it down, there's an irrational part of it that maybe it doesn't have as much power as we think it does. I love it that the enemy always overplays his hand, and he did in this situation. Goliath gets, the Israelites were terrified of Goliath, but Goliath gave them this opening. He's like, you only have to fight one guy. You, if you kill me, we'll, we'll give up to you, but if, if you don't, then you become our slaves. Well, that that could make the Israelites feel like, oh my gosh, he's so strong that we, we can't even face one of them. We're too small. But it's an opening. It's an opportunity. You only have to face one. Just defeat one guy, one 10-foot guy. And Goliath uses ridicule to stir their doubt every single day. For 40 days, they are on these two hills. They go through this whole thing every morning, shouting, like, if it was such an easy, powerful thing to, to conquer from the Philistines to the Israelites, why not just do it? No. Instead, there's this back and forth. When you step back and look at it, it's kind of silly. You know, it's, it's kind of like all this jockeying for power. But the Israelites, you know, they're so afraid. They're quaking every day from these threats. And... They're anticipating the worst. Anticipation and anticipatory anxiety is, it can be deadly. It's what we fear that we're not even facing at the moment. We're thinking about it. But it's so scary. And what do we do? We think about it over and over again every day. You know, we rehearse it in our minds. There's this dialogue going on. But the truth is that it, nothing has happened. It, it actually isn't real. And the truth is, there's just some big guy yelling from the other hill. And know who you are. David. David definitely knew who he was, a man after God's own heart. David was a guy between two callings. He had been a shepherd, a son, the youngest, the baby. And now he is already anointed as the future king, but he hasn't really stepped into that yet. 
And he's been running back and forth between his flock and Saul's front line to kind of get information for his father and to care for his brothers and to serve the king, support the king. But he had long been someone that was following God. He had been following God by himself every day in the field with the flock. And Gary and Fern already mentioned about how he killed lions and bears, not just one, but multiples. It was a regular thing that he was spending time with God and conquering the enemy that God put in front of him in order to, do, to fulfill his calling of caring for the sheep. And you know what else? David cared that God was being insulted by Goliath. It made him mad. He's like, somebody's got to do something about this. This is crazy. And every day, his journey with God kept him in touch with the truth of God's power. So David steps up. And he doesn't step up foolishly, even though he's this young guy, this kid, a shepherd. David is confident. In verse 32, he's, he's saying, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight. And then he goes on and says, the God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me now. So there's this remembrance he has. And I think this is an important thing for us to take away. When we remember how God has been there, God has worked in our lives before, when we actively remember that, instead of rehearsing our anxiety and fear in our heads, when we think about the things that God has done and not the worries of what might happen, we're changed inside. We are encouraged. We are built up. We are prepared. And how to prepare for that battle? Well, let's just say not with someone else's armor. The king tries to put his armor on David, and he can't even walk with it on. And he's like, no, 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 I can't do this. The armor that David used was the familiar, the things that God had already been doing in his life, the things that are the armor of God and not the armor of the world. Yesterday I was reading in the devotional, Jesus Calling, it said, Give up your striving to keep everything under control, an impossible task, and a waste of precious energy. My guidance for each of my children is unique. My armor for each of my children is unique. And, and it goes on to say, that's why listening to me is so vital for your well-being. Let me prepare you for the day that awaits you and point you in the right direction. I am with you continually. So don't be intimidated by fear. Though it stalks you, it cannot harm you as long as you cling to my hand. But that was so beautiful in the context of this story. So David's chosen armor came from the familiar. Five smooth stones, his shepherd's staff, and a sling. It's not crazy. It was what he knew. And the armor of faith he also had. He came at Goliath and said, I come at you in the name of God. The battle belongs to God. He is proclaiming truth to the situation. Now, he brings down this giant with one single shot, one smooth stone. I'll tell you that, honestly, I've done the same. 
had to do it every day. <laughs> but I have done the same in the moment when I have praised God and, and sung my worship and trusted him and in faith gone through and used what he has given me to prayerfully listen to him and take action in the midst of my anxiety. And I still have to do it every day. I have to do it again and again. And so uh, we may have to face our Goliath ongoing, but we still can take him down with a single stone of faith. Because, you know, if we persist, the Goliaths get weaker. And God is limitless. So as we examine this rational and irrational relationship with our Goliath, um, here's some questions that might be helpful. What do I see when I look at myself? What do I hear in my head? What do I see when I look at God? What do I hear from the Word of God? Looking and at God and listening to God is a much wiser choice than looking at our circumstances or listening to what's in our own head. From a practical standpoint, it can literally blow away our fears when we hear him at work within us. So for you, as you consider your Goliath, what are your limitations? What stands in the way of you experiencing all that God has designed for you? What valleys keep you from your new territory? Around here, we ask the question, what is God saying to me? It's part of our discipleship process. What is God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? So today, let's, let's ask, what is God saying to me about himself? Well, he's present. We're not alone in the battle. And he will do it as I step into the valley, as you step into the valley. We've got to take that step into the valley, but be with him. And it's his battle, not ours. That's part of our getting stuck in our head, change of perspective. What is God saying to me about me? He's saying to me, he says, Karen, you'd never surprise me. I know you. He's saying to each of you, I'm not surprised with your fear. I'm not surprised with your doubts. I'm not dis surprised with your desire to run away from a situation. I know you. It's okay. And he has prepared each of us. He's prepared each of us in a unique way. So we need to look at the familiar of what he's done and lean on that. And the last question here is, what is God saying to me for the sake of others? How can I help others trust him? There's a saying I love that is, dream big, start small, go first. And it's that go first today that I think is very pertinent. 
if we are willing to be vulnerable in our own brokenness, in our own, dealing with our own Goliath, and we're willing to go first, stepping into the, new, into the territory, the valley, we can embolden and encourage others. David went first, and what happened? He went first and he conquered Goliath, but he also encouraged and empowered the troops. It's no wonder they were happy to have him king because he, he showed them victory. And they were feeling that victory inside themselves. They owned the victory too. So for us, um, next steps. I encourage you, if you're facing a valley, don't stand on the hill and shout at it or listen to it shout at you, but to trust God, hear him, and step into the valley. Speak your truth. Speak truth to your fear and your limitations. Speak God's truth to your fear and limitations. Speak truth to your Goliath. When David did that, it all began. It didn't take long. And then go first. Take the territory that God has for you. This is your one and only life. Take the territory. Follow the calling. Trust him for what he might dream to have in your life, the way to use you to encourage others to come closer to him. And maybe you're like, Karen, well, that's great, but I'm not facing a Goliath. I'm doing, I don't have a Goliath in my life today. Well, get prepared. Now's a good season to get prepared. How do you do that? You know, you can align with what God is doing in your life. You can align with God daily, being in the Word, seeing how it builds you up, tucking the Scripture and the Word of God into your heart and mind to use it as a weapon, just like those smooth stones that David had. You've got to build that up in advance. And journey with someone who maybe is more prepared than you. Let someone else encourage you so that you are prepared when you get out there and you do face your Goliath. Well, in a moment, we're going to sing a response song that is just one of my favorites. It's Stand in Your Love. And it says, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I have to say, I think I have sung that aloud a lot in the past 10 months, especially in my car where no one can hear me sing. But it's like a mantra, you know. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And we have his love and his grace today. And I encourage you to embrace it and for all he has for you. So let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the story, for this Sunday school story for many of us and how you can just enrich it into our minds and help us see how you equip us with the familiar, how you prepare us to face even the toughest of giants. Thank you for how you change our hearts in the moment of fear as we trust you. 
And I pray today, especially for anyone who's experiencing anxiety of any sort, I, I pray with love for them, Lord, with acceptance, with validation of the anxiety that they are feeling. And I speak truth into that anxiety, that it is standing on the hill shouting. And it is not the only truth. And you, Lord, your limitlessness conquers it. I pray that you would conquer it within them and bring them peace in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing, stand in your love.